Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back and we are doing some house cleaning. Uh, we uh, we apparently have been getting some complaints. Um, we like to talk about the geeky television shows that are really sort of scratching our itch, but uh, we do it on we try to do it on the fives because you know what five is a number that has significance to us, but also it means that the show is on the road. It's sort of found its feet. We see where it's going. It's a good place to talk about what we've seen so far, um, but we don't usually follow up on that, and that apparently has some people upset. So uh, we are uh, we're we're going to address that, Graham. Let's. Uh, what does this look like on the docket today? Well, this time we're taking a final wrap up look at uh, one division. Since we last spoke, there've been three more episodes, and uh, we decided to bring in a fresh perspective for this one. It is uh, truly the most heroic person we could ask. One of our uh, beloved frontline workers of this whole horrible pandemic. Uh, and and it's Sonali. Hi guys, thanks for having Th- me. <laughs> thank you, Sonali. Thank you for your service, etc. Etc. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so now let's let's dive in. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way. So we, uh, when we had John Cashmore on a few weeks ago, uh, we had gotten up to and discussed episode six of WandaVision, the all new Halloween spooktacular. Uh, let's pick up right where we left off. The next episode was episode seven. Uh, it came out on February 19. That was Breaking the Fourth Wall, where the sitcom has finally caught up to the to the 2000s. Yeah, so this one, the the source material that they're parodying is definitely a modern family vibe. So I got to say right off the bat with that, um, I don't think I've watched a lot of modern television. So trying to kind of view that episode, like it's weird because everything else I connected to episodically. um, But with this one, I was just like, okay, this is a break the fourth wall. All right. And it just kept going. And I was like, "Uh, what am I trying to get out of this now? (laughs) You finally got too old for WandaVision? (laughs) I, I think I got too old for television. I think that's the key. Yeah, the, I hear that. The, the throwbacks were now ahead of where you are. Oh yeah, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I I don't know what this is referencing anymore. But as far as me watching like Wanda's story, then I I could kind of focus more on it. Right. I mean, it was it was Modern Family. It was a little bit of The Office for sure. Um, some of the hijinks sort of made me think of Curb a little bit. Um, but it, it it was very modern, and I guess, like you said, Sonal, that that breaking the fourth wall, like the talking to the camera, that definitely is the hallmark of it. It was very a lot of it was very Michael Scott um, or John Krasinski. That vision gives a lot of like, are you are you seeing this kind of looks to the camera, and I think that really fit in with that sort of whole aesthetic. That was that was fun to see. Yeah, I mean, they do that sort of stuff in the the talking head parts of Modern Family as well. But I, I think one of my favorite moments in the episode is when when Vision sort of realizes how absurd it is that he's just like sitting there talking with the camera and he like flies away. And that, that was a great breaking point where it was like he's starting to see the television show aspect of it and realize how weird it is. And, and it's a great 
set up for what was to come in the next few episodes. Was he breaking into like the fifth wall at that point? I, mean, <laughs> I was I was like, okay, he's talking. He's like, what the heck am I doing? And I was like, yes, that is a very good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, breaking the fifth wall is a great way to think of it because it's like <laughs> they're already talking to an imaginary audience and now he's, well, I don't know if he's breaking the fifth wall or just like, ah, <laughs> oh, if it, it's like my it, brain, you could also interpret it as he's putting the fourth wall back up. Yes, right? he's yes. Had a, oh, he's, he's, he's had enough of this, and he's going to keep pursuing his, you know, like his life. It's it, it's tricky when the whole thing with the studio audience is only sort of pseudo real. Yeah, and I think at that point, like the studio audience changed because I think they were saying in like the earlier episodes they actually had an audience. Hmm. Um, at least I think maybe for the first or second one there may have been one present. Um, sort of in whatever TV land way you could. Um, but uh, with this one, certainly it's it's a very uh, changed perspective on, on what you're watching. Yeah, and the sitcom does kind of stop halfway through the episode, doesn't it? Like they stop... Um... Like they stopped maintaining that facade that Wanda talking to the camera and all that, like that all goes away. I, I think probably right about the moment you described where vision like says the heck with this, this is insane and flies off the hex with this. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, after, I mean, after that it's Monica confronting Wanda and then the Agatha reveal. Right. So like that's, that's right. the end of the sitcom. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, seven is this is after she's extended the hex, and so the sword base becomes the circus, right? Uh, so Vision meets Darcy, he he frees her from the control. Um, they try to get back into town, but Wanda keeps stopping him subconsciously while she's losing control of the the hex. I was um, also thinking it might be Agatha at that point. Oh, maybe. That's a fair point. It could have been Agatha just messing with her. Yeah, because she's clearly, like, at that point, she's already trying to, um, you know, pull Wanda out, get her to reveal more and more, and she's trying to set this up uh, uh, so that she can do that. So I I thought it might have been more Agatha than Wanda keeping them apart. Yeah, the first uh, first notice, uh, by the way, uh, just of something that Jesse got wrong, and props to John Cashmore that, uh, yeah, Agnes was absolutely Agatha Harkness all along. At the, he had that one nailed straight. Good on you, Cash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think for whatever reason, there there was that sense in the ether that there, and, and you know, I, again, I'm not t- trying to take anything away from Cash. He was right, and he stuck with it through the whole thing. I remember having that idea in my head when it was in when they they like showed her when when they announced that she was agnes and it's like a big she's a bigger named actress and it didn't make sense for her to be just sort of wacky neighbor with nothing else going on but then as the show progressed i was like i started to doubt it i was like i don't know i don't think that she is she seems totally under the thrall of wanda and uh yeah uh, yeah i they they fooled me they pulled the rug out from under me at one point, I thought maybe Dottie was much more involved than she was, especially with her, um, uh, with her like introduction and the way she was portrayed in the second episode. So I was thinking maybe they were gonna make her into a bigger uh, character as well, but that might have just been like red herring. It's, I mean, I absolutely I can see that, I and mean, some of it is probably coming from just our fond memories of Anya, right? Who was. Yeah. Uh, 
on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who started off as sort of a bit character uh, before she grew. But like you, you, we see that face and we say, oh, that's the demon. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like it's really creepy in that se- way back in that second episode with Dottie. So I can see that. But then she just sort of she disappears for a bit until the climax a couple episodes later. Same with the the I can't remember the character's name, but De- Deborah Joe Rupp, the mom from that 70s show. She was basically just in that first episode and then Mrs. barely. Sh- yeah, she she doesn't really show up again until what? The end of this episode. Yeah, the they, last they episode. cast the mom from that 70s show to play a housewife from the 60s. That's it's like just a little <laughs> off. <laughs> Well, oh well, whatever. Oh, no, 50s even. That was episode one. That was Dick Van Dyke. Right. Yeah, so they're off by 20 years. What, does she not want to get pigeonholed? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, and the reveal of of Agnes's Agatha, that it had a great theme song that I think took the internet by storm for a couple of days and got stuck in my head. I don't want to skip over that because I don't get it. And am I just, I can't tell if I'm just being a big baby. Like, I thought it was fun. It was Agatha all along. Okay. And it was a fun little sequence. And then I forgot about it. But the internet went nuts. And I need you two to explain to me why. I mean, for me, it was just an earworm and it got stuck in my head. I think it was, I don't know. I Again, I think it was a throwback bit too, right? Like there was a musicality to it that, I mean, how much music do you hear these days? given everything that's happening too so it was uh earworm because like there isn't a lot of like peppy music happening uh, i guess in television uh, i don't no. know again not being connected to like that time period or era of tv as well i just took it as it uh, was presented to me so i also was sort of like oh okay cool a catchy nice song and it it was like a i don't know um it's like the villain theme really right but kind of souped up a souped up villain villain theme that i could also get behind just in terms of like enjoying it but yeah i didn't go beyond that either it's something that you can use in in everyday life too like whenever there's something goes wrong and there's no clear reason for it and it was agatha all along you know it's a it's a built in for everyday uh, life now it's gonna become a catchphrase or like like a pandemic saying or something. It's, yeah. it's definitely meme fuel, but I mean, like I've seen like people have remixed it and like put a beat under it. Like people really love it. And I just, I don't get it. And, uh, and this isn't a hot take. I just, I, you know, I'm not saying I disagree. I just, you know, eh, eh. and then I moved on. But I, I, I mean, obviously I'm in the, in the wrong because the majority of people went bananas over that song. I wonder if it's just tied into the shock value. You know, the reveal, like we like we went in pretty in depth about it and we were sort of expecting something, but somebody who isn't as familiar with the character, maybe like the, the shock of that. Oh, this character is actually another witch. Mm-hmm. Like maybe tied into that. That's that's maybe that's pretty impactful. Yeah, I and I also did some more research more recently and and yeah, it, it also even knowing the character from the comics, it doesn't really prepare you for the reveal because she isn't traditionally a villain in the comics. She's always been a support character. She, she was introduced as a nanny for Franklin Richards and then was revealed to be a witch, but not in a bad way. You know, she, she ended up working with the fantastic four to fight other witches. Then she teamed up with Scarlet witch to help train her. There's all these 
these things in the comics that that where she is a more helpful force 90% of the time. And so to have her be revealed as the the grand villain of this whole thing, if there if there is a real villain of it, uh, it's well, I guess I don't know. I kind of feel like Agatha is less villainous than Hayward. But maybe we'll get to that oh, more okay. as we go on. Yeah. I have so much to say about him. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cover that as we go on, I think, because we also have to talk about the villainous actions of Wanda. But uh... Right. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking about a villain. So I don't think there is a villain. There are shades of different people doing villainous things. Mm. Um and there, there are reasons and, um, you know, greed and want and power are all part of it. But, like, I can't say that anyone really stood out to me as the epitome of evil. Yeah, it's not like there was no General Zod. There was no mastermind behind it all. There were two people with bad uh intentions and and they were the closest things to villains and then there was Wanda who was a big part of the problem but it, it was had the best of intentions and maybe wasn't fully in control of what she was doing mm-hmm. uh, i mean and then there's Hayward who one of the last things we see him do is he unloads a pistol at a couple of kids yeah, i mean yeah. he's like, he's flat out the worst <laughs> <laughs> that like I don't know how gray that gets. Maybe we'll get to that. I have questions about that, so we'll get to that when we get there. Um, but maybe we should move on to the next episode. Uh, just before we go, this was also the last of the WandaVision commercials. Uh, this was the one where it was the the Nexus antidepressant, and uh, boy, does that seem like it would tie into a multiverse thing? <laughs> but uh, like with the word Nexus, but I guess not. Well, none of the there was no real payoff to the commercials other than just being subtle throwbacks to other things in in the Marvel universe. I think some people were expecting them to be revealed as like they expected a big reveal behind them. And I'm not saying I didn't, but it didn't really occur to me that that was a missed opportunity or anything. Um, Uh, I think they were more just highlighting points in Wanda's life and time that who she was who she became and who she might be because i know there's a um i guess from the comics or from just zeitgeist that i've been like listening to or, or reading about like the nexus beings are a thing and she's one of them i nexus beings tell me more about these nexus beings <laughs> uh, i so i guess maybe from the comics they are a group of individuals who have such um potent power that they um have the ability to like change and and create things like universally speaking uh graham i figured maybe you would know a little bit more in fact so um i i didn't like research it per se but uh there is uh, a precedent for her having the ability she does and and for being a formidable like creature and the word and the word nexus to be sort of a tag for that, I guess. Yeah. I, I picture it to be sort of like a, um, a focal point, I guess. Kind of like the, the infinity stones, but in person form. Well, I'll tell you, it, it, we've discussed it on the show before. Uh, magic isn't really my bag. So <laughs> Dr. Strange and Scarlet Witch are characters that I have never been 
super drawn to as far as their their magic abilities so i don't know that much about the lore that specifically pertains to magic within the marvel universe it's and i it always just feels so nebulous that it's hard to get a firm grasp on it and it can change on a whim like any magic thing so i i i haven't put that much attention to it so it it all sounds good to me and and nexus beings and whatever it all makes sense and and scarlet witch her between her mutant powers in the comics in the show at least up to now she hasn't uh, had mutant powers or at least not defined that way um but she also has these abilities given to her by the infinity stones so she's she's amped up in the comics, she has the mutant powers and she learns how to use magic through Doctor Strange and Agatha Harkness and people like that. So they work in tandem and make her even more powerful than she would be if she was just a magic user or just a mutant. I think they're genuinely moving away from the whole mutant enhanced person thing with this. That's the sense I've been getting. And of course, with what happens later on in the show, and that what? just becomes more apparent. Well, to me Let's, anyway. We will, we will talk about that. I think <laughs> there's some room here for for mutants. mutants. Can yeah. we say it still? Do you, th- you think that's a thing happening? <laughs> it's better than in humans, which I'm, I'm oh, so glad we oh. don't have to worry about anymore. All right, let's uh, let's move on. The uh, we also had the the post credit scene where uh, Monica gets captured by Pietro, but uh, it's frankly it was kind of a letdown. But considering everything else that's going on, it wasn't much. Um, but we move on to episode eight, uh, February twenty sixth. Previously on, uh, where this is the backstory episode, uh, we get a little bit of what Agatha is all about, and then we do a deep dive into stuff we've only sort of briefly talked about about Wanda's background before. We get to see a lot of it. Yeah, so uh, I mean, the Agatha stuff is. Let's get that out of the way. It's uh, she's from Salem, Massachusetts, as all American witches find their their origins tied to that. Um, and you know, it's fine. And and it was neat seeing her origin and how she was sucking the power out of the other witches, and then you get a sense that that is what she wants from Wanda too to to get the power from her and figure out what Wanda's deal is because she has all this ability without any training behind it which seems unusual in in uh, Agatha's world I mean and it definitely seems to bother her like she takes it like an insult right right like a lot of that like the taunting of Wanda there is like like, who the hell are you to come in and do all this when I'm a you know 300 something year old witch and I like that's this, this all seems crazy to me I thought, uh, uh, first of all, I thought it was really clever that they set it up as like a witch trial, quote unquote, but it turned out to be actual witches doing the trial. Right. So I was, first of all, I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, it was Um, a fun twist. And then having, so I was thinking like when, when they were showing like her ability, like she's saying that, you know, I can be good. I can, um, you know, do things right. And clearly, like, she's already has some rottenness to her. Like, <laughs> she isn't uh, a good person even back then. Um, so I think that really set her up for, for what we see with her and Wanda. Um, but it was all, my big thing was that pendant. Because she's wearing it, um, I forget which episode it was, um, 
maybe uh, the fourth episode, thir- sorry, third or fourth episode, she's oh, the... wearing the pendant. And I, I honed in on that because it's so front and center when she's talking to the neighbor. Hmm. Um, Is that like the, the cameo brooch that yes. she takes off of her mother? That's right. So I, I thought maybe oh. there was more to that. But I mean, knowing that it was a symbol of power for her mother, who was the witch, who also seems to have been like a, a powerful witch because of the um, transparent crown that appeared during the, the scene. Um, I, I wanted there to be more, but as it was, it was an interesting tie-in, and like I, I had a mystery that I managed to solve, I guess, just watching that. <laughs> and then we start to get into the the background of Wanda a bit more with her her uh, childhood watching old American sitcoms in Sokovia, and uh, I, you know the the thing that she wants to watch more than anything is the Dick Van Dyke Show, and the episode she picks is what is it, the Acorn one. Uh, which is a little walnut. on the note. The walnut. walnut. That is like the Dick Van Dyke show episode. It's like if it's sort of this legendary episode of TV. I I don't know it well enough to be able to tell you why, but it is when when people talk about the Dick Van Dyke show and they cite a specific episode, it's usually that one. So it's it's a little on the nose. It's like someone brings up Star Trek The Next Generation and they want to watch Best of Both Worlds. It's like, or or the original series, they want to watch City on the Edge of Forever. Well, it would be nice for there to be a slightly deeper cut. I mean, really? Like, does it, like, if, if, like, would you feel it was more authentic if somebody wanted to watch The Next Generation and they wanted to watch Code of Honor? Like, like, you don't want to watch the bad ones if there's a I'm best not one. The bad ones. I'm just saying, like, Darmok, we'll have guys. personal Darmok, sure. Come on. <laughs> or <laughs> yesterday's <laughs> Enterprise or something. Some people are going to pick Inner Light, and some people are going to pick Sub Rosa. I mean, if you had, <laughs> if you showed me, you know, a, a family in like a war torn, made up, you know, Eastern European country who were learning English from watching Next Generation, and somebody picked Sub Rosa, like, <laughs> on I'd be DVDs, back, you don't just... have to jump to the absolute worst one. Maybe they pick Lower Decks, you know, something that is sort of mid tier, but people would be fans of it. I don't know. I I feel like this is really small fry, but uh, I I agree. All right. <laughs> I, well, I realized that they were also watching it on DVD, and I was like, well, I guess I'm old enough now to <laughs> remember VHS tapes, so I I, oh, I don't. Oh man, know. that's a good point. How? What <laughs> year is it when Wanda is a kid? Uh, I think they were saying it's supposed to be like nineties. Uh, nineties makes sense. 90s okay yeah i guess dvds are 90s were they well i so i remember getting a dvd player and and the first one like when we got it we got the matrix and so matrix came out in 99 so uh, dvd digital versatile <laughs> disc so uh, it was it was released in late 96 oh wow okay so it's close but i don't think i don't think kids in sokovia were watching dvds <laughs> in 96 yeah certainly and, not the complete dick van dyke yeah. collection right yeah, that would. But then again, in. it's the Marvel universe, right? Like Who they've knows? had Stark for a while. I'm sure Stark invented DVDs in the 40s True. in that universe, so that's fine. Okay, that that's really settles it down for me because I, I was really <laughs> having a lot of trouble with that. No, that that was a good point. But yeah, we can we, like all things that can be explained away by Stark Industries or time travel. Uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show complete series DVD came out in 2005. 
in real life. In real life, yeah. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it came out earlier in the Marvel Universe because <laughs> they were able to develop technology oh. faster thanks to the Cosmic Cube. <laughs> Alternate realities, yeah, multiverse, but, so on and so forth. Even seeing that uh, that box set, it took me back to when I worked at a used DVD store. I was like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> a used DVD store? I mean... How old are that, you? That's how I uh, <laughs> thought of it. Oh my god. Wow. Okay. Some people probably thought it was used CD, but to me it was a used DVD store. Anyway, uh completely off track here, but the, an important part in that scene is the the house gets bombed and it's uh the roof falls in or the apartment gets bombed, the roof falls in. Um Peter and Wanda's parents are killed and the Stark bomb is sitting there with the blinking red light, blinking red light, which is sort of referenced in one of the commercials earlier in the, the series. And uh, the, the most important part of that to me, that's all information we had before. We knew that this from uh, Age of Ultron, that, that this is the origin story of Wanda and Pietro. The, the bomb landed and it didn't go off, and it, but it killed everyone around them. But the question here is, was it just a dud or did Wanda use her powers to stop it from blowing up? Right. Agatha seems to just run with it. Oh, of course. You used a, I think she calls it a probability hex, which is great because that's a, a great reference to her powers in the comics, right? It's using hexes to affect probability is probably the closest thing we've ever had to defining what her powers originally were. Um, but but yeah, Wanda is like, no, I I didn't, did I? Question mark. Like it, that's a fun setup for what we, you know, what's very clearly coming. Yeah, and and so the implication to me, at least on some level, is that it could be that she had magical powers. Wow, and and I think it it has to be. You have to accept that she had magical powers before she interacted with the Mind Stone. Prior to this, we in in age of Ultron, it's implied that they got their superpowers from the mind stone uh, uh, and this makes it fairly clear that she had powers before the mind stone thing happened in fact her powers are the only reason why she survived her interaction with the mind stone where it's implied in the next scene uh which to me makes me think that she has mutant powers well mutant or magic like that's the that's the tricky part here Okay, but if it was if it's purely magic powers, then then I don't think Agatha would be so surprised because it, Agatha seems to think that you can really only access magical abilities with training. But if it's a mutant power, then she has inherent access to it. It's something that comes from from within her. And maybe it's still disagree tap- with that. I'm going to disagree with that just because I mean the the implication for me especially with the intro to Agatha was that they have abilities available to them they just had to study to like learn how to use them and control them but I wouldn't say that they got their magical abilities by learning only Well I just don't know I don't know if we have enough information to fully confirm that like like in like all the Doctor Strange magic users have to learn how to use their abilities from the ancient one, right? Like, yeah, but so it's an like an accessibility thing, I guess. Okay, yeah, no, I think you may be right on that part. Like, Wanda seems to be um, a very different 
creature in that sense, right? Like she's see, like that's the whole thing with Agatha too. She's trying to figure out who she is, and she is incredulous. She's like, "You can do all this stuff, but you've never heard of these like regular things that you would know if you were a magic user and you'd been learning or or taught how to do this." Yeah, and this is like this is the episode that ends with, "Oh, I get it now. You're using chaos magic. You're, that makes you the Scarlet Witch. This, this figure, like this prophesied figure. So, like, it's it's definitely got an air of like, oh, you're the chosen one. Like, you know, all I need is like an hour on the Millennium Falcon to teach you how to use the Force. Like, and you're and you're good. <laughs> but is that? Uh, I I should have looked into this more, but. It struck me, is this the first time we're hearing her referred to as the Scarlet Witch? Yes. I, yes, yeah. that has never come so. up before. This is the first time she gets it. She's always just been Wanda Maximoff. Right. So that that was pretty cool. Like it it hit me and I was like, is this the first time she's getting that name? And and then I was like, it made me want to go back and watch through everything. Like, did they call Pietro Quicksilver? Or am I just sort of misremembering all of this stuff from the previous movies? I think the Fox Pietro gets the name Quicksilver, but they don't think they use it in Age of Ultron either. Okay. I, I no, think and just that wa- was the licensing issue, I think, at that point still. I don't think so, because the issue, like, it would just, it, then this issue would apply to their names too, wouldn't it? I, I don't know how that kind of copyright law works. I, I get copywriting Magneto because that's what you put on all the toys, but do you copyright. Like what's the full thing? Eric Magnus Lenchner now, and that's not anybody. His his he's also Max Eisenhart. Apparently, that's his real real name. Anyway, that's completely off topic. But uh, the issue, like, I don't think that copyright thing would even work because, like, Fox would just have they have the license to make the movie, and I guess. I, I mean, mean this kind of, like yeah, this way. like licensing gets very complicated. Yeah, um, we're not going to solve that here on this podcast. That is going to be <laughs> no, no. We've got hours. We can really <laughs> dive into this. Yeah, let me start looking up stuff on the internet, guys. <laughs> In any case, um, so yeah, I think yeah, I can see an argument for both sides. Like, but I I think the implication what we're supposed to take from it is that she's got something. Like from birth, and whether it's a mutant power or whether it's some prophesied magic thing, or maybe on some level, there's not that much difference between the two. Um, but it seems like that is going to be a theme about, like, you know, that's going to run in that character throughout this phase of the M. Is it still the MCU, even though it's not in theaters anymore? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. through, through the, this phase of the MCU, it's going to be, you know, what's going on with Wanda? Yeah, it sounds like something that should be in a theme song for a TV show. There you ah. go. <laughs> um, so other stuff, we other important stuff we learn in this episode. Um, like we go over the background again and we get that. she We see that she sees an image of herself as the Scarlet Witch in the Mind Stone like when she's still a kid at the Hydra facility, which is interesting. Maybe there's some time travel shenanigans. Maybe there's some prophecy shenanigans. We don't know. It's also the first time we see a, an MCU rendition of that outfit, um, which she does wear later, and we'll get into that. But it looks pretty good. You know? Good well, let's, let's get into it uh, in the next episode. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we also see that despite what Hayward told Jimmy Woo and Monica, that Wanda actually didn't steal the Vision's body, that he lied about that. 
that she came and sort of realized that he was gone and left and had an emotional breakdown and formed all of Westview and formed a new vision entirely out of her own mind. Yeah. Uh, and and specifically, I mean, mind is an interesting term because when you see her, when you see her taking over Westview, it's all red, right? Like her scarlet powers tend to be red. Um, but when she's forming vision, there's a lot of yellow in there, a lot of mindstone yellow that goes into making vision. And that becomes important later, but I thought it would be even more important than it ended up being. Um, but I, I think we'll, again, get to that in the next episode. Uh, I also, maybe this was just a me thing, but I, I found it kind of disturbing seeing Vision all ripped apart and, and wires sticking out of him in, uh, when Wanda goes to see his uh, body at the sword facility. Yeah, I thought she was just going to go like crazy and start like hexing everybody because it was jarring. It was jarring to see him like broken apart he didn't look like vision and for her because i think the time period they said it was like three weeks since uh she'd been brought back she had no time to grieve for him because she was um like snapped out of existence she has the the mcu term is blipped blipped right uh, she was blipped out of existence and she comes back and she was really i i a lot of it was I think she was holding a lot of her her pain and anger and grief inside, even at that point. Um, and certainly the way Hayward was playing it, like I wasn't sure if he was trying to, uh, I'm pretty sure he was trying to get her to reanimate him. Oh, for sure. For sure he's goading her. Yeah. But she, and she knows better. Like even in her grief, she knows better because she tries to feel for him and I was very moved by that moment. Like, I, I think her grief was too deep for her to act out in anger, but she was also even more um, discouraged because she couldn't sense vision when she was uh, trying to feel him. And should we take a quick aside to point out, by the way, like, absolutely, you're right. Like, I felt all of those emotions there, and that is an incredibly complex thing to communicate and elizabeth olsen is a brilliant actress yeah like that like that Mm -hmm. was incredible and i feel like we haven't really touched on like the the quality of the performances i mean like no shade to anyone else like paul bettany is also amazing um but she is like the stuff that she conveys over the course of this whole show she's incredible yeah yeah and you know especially next to some of the other actors uh, not to to denigrate anyone like like hayward is just performing what's on the page but he has been a two-dimensional villain since yes. episode four whatever you know when he first showed up and and there's not a lot of nuance to play there he's just a jerk he's been um, two-dimensional since i think the first episode right like i, I never figured yeah. he would amount to much anyway yeah, nor was it a surprise that he turned out to be a bad guy exactly no and then the other actors, other than than like Vision and and Wanda, the other actors do a great job, but they don't have as much meat to sink their teeth into. Like the two of them go through a lot of ups and downs and have to perform a lot of different shades. Whereas for the most part, Monica is Monica. She's just uh, you know tough as nails and has a mission to accomplish. And Jimmy is is 
funny, slightly bumbling FBI agent Jimmy, and Darcy is sarcastic genius Darcy. It's like she's, there's she's Cat Dennings, like she's yeah. she's playing herself. Yeah, no, they've I, got. I, I have to defend Catherine Hahn on this though. Um, her oh, sure. her Agatha portrayal, like she, I think she's absolutely up there with Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany in in her portrayal of that character. Just just the way that she makes Agatha bloom from Agnes to Agatha. Um, that shift and then the the power and like curiosity but also malevolence that she then is able to kind of put out I, I thought she did a standout job of that yeah I mean she did a great job as the scenery chewing obnoxious sitcom neighbor and then she had that moment where vision frees her mind and she's she's playing the role of the frightened regular person and then we get to see the real the the agatha who's this dangerous force this dangerous dangerous witch and and she definitely has a lot to to play as well you're right so this episode uh the last thing we get from this uh before we move on is there's a mid-credit scene where hayward activates the he's it's time to launch like we're finally ready after all this time he's found a way to reactivate the vision which now we know is that's the real vision, and they've and they have made it the white vision. Um, and we were when we were watching this, Snell, you you kind of went, you did the oh, it's like the white vision from the comics, and I said, pardon. <laughs> yeah, the one time I actually had a little bit more geek knowledge than Jesse. Well, lay it out. Tell, tell us about. I mean, is it weird to say white vision? It sounds weird. <laughs> I mean, it we really don't really sounds have like my choice. <laughs> It's, is there a better way to describe it? No, let's go with white vision. That seems to be what everyone's calling it. I think All it's right. monochromatic vision because he's definitely only just a shade of vision. Oh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that also plays off like with what uh, are we in the next episode already? Because um, just in terms of the interaction he has with hex vision. Or with oh yeah, let's let let's hang off on that because that's amazing and that's okay. going to take some time. I'm right. um, specifically for now, just so for people like me, tell us a little bit about what like what what is White Vision? What is that drawing from the comics? So my understanding is that at one point, like Vision does get like rewritten or um, reprogrammed, I guess, and he is sort of a um, less emotional uh, version of Vision that kind of wanders around i guess not really um completely soulless but more robotic and i, I guess i'm going to toss that back to you graham because i think uh, you and i were talking about it <laughs> randomly before that actually happened uh yeah uh, he's there's some so much of this or the the wanda and vision interaction in in these last couple of episodes uh come from i think it's john burns run on the west coast avengers uh from the the shot of vision all disassembled and like the wires uh you can see the wires coming out of his his arms and legs and uh like that that and wanda seeing that and being all horrified by it and then vision being reanimated but for whatever reason not having any any color and just being monochromatic vision if that's what we're gonna go with (laughs) and he just it was it was like a resurrection thing but he he was much less emotional and and that was very painful for Wanda he was still a good guy not like this version of the character he was a good guy he was just sort of less present and and uh it dramatically affected his 
relationship with his wife, who, which is what uh, Scarlet Witch was at that point. Um, yeah. So, so seeing him all white like that was, was a cool comic book touch that I, I really enjoyed. And uh, it was interesting. I, I think we kind of breezed over it a little bit, but the, I, my interpretation of him being reactivated and why Hayward was finally able to do it was because they, they pulled Wanda's hex powers off of that drone from the previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. They, he, they, he takes, he has to choose some scenery to explain like, boy, we couldn't get it working for a while until we were able to get some of Wanda's power. Some of the, some of the mindstone crap like they're, it's not a great line. It's not awesome dialogue, but he 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 pretty much lays it out for the audience in a quick pop up. Yeah, and it's it's a quick way to explain why they weren't able to revive him before. I, I guess based on the fact that he tried to get Wanda to do it earlier, he must have had some sense that her power could do it, and so he was once he got his hands on something that she had affected, he could use you know, Trek no babble to pull the energies off of the one thing and put it in the other. And and he had control over this version of vision. And when this episode ended, my prediction for what was going to happen in the finale was that the, the version of like the good guy version of vision in the, the hex world that Wanda had created would end up in conflict with this one. And eventually they would merge and we'd have, our old vision back. It would be his body and mind recombined. And I was kind of disappointed that I got that wrong. Well, you weren't entirely off, but uh, let's, uh, let's, let's do it. Let's move into episode nine, the series finale um, called the series finale, which is works on a lot of levels, which is fun. Uh, March 5th. And uh, so, yeah, so we now have the, so the showdown, uh, basically between Wanda and Agatha and between Vision and White Vision and briefly with some of the sword guys with Hayward, but they're not terribly important. Cool Marvel cinematic battle stuff that we haven't really seen for a little bit, a little while. But, you know, people hurling special effects at each other, you know, laser beams tearing up the street. That was all fun. So yeah, first, the, the first thing, the first scene that they do is they show Agatha like floating in her power with her darkened fingers which i don't know what was that was about like if her like power is concentrated or it's a spell thing but she's got the boys on like a magical leash and like that right there was yeah it was like okay she is uh someone to be reckoned with she's got two boys on a purple magic leash and is basically goading their mother (laughs) Yeah, it's like, just to be clear, this is the bad guy. In case you weren't sure if people in the audience, uh, this is somebody who's endangering children for the fun of it. So just so it's clear, it's okay to beat this person up. I take that. Yeah. So you know what? You're right. Because Hayward and um, Agatha were both the villain because they both went for the kids. Yeah. Now you could, I guess, argue that they weren't real kids. They're just manifestations of Wanda's power. But yeah, I I do think, wait, are you like... They were her children, damn it. How dare you? (laughs) She made her children. This becomes a very complicated thing in the comic books, let me tell you. It's not uncomplicated (laughs) in the show. You're right. These like these create like her family, even though we understand now that they're entirely creations of her mind and of her power, they do have independent will, like they do make their own choices. They they recognize a sense of self. I mean, 
they like they seem like perfectly like alive sentient creatures does this unit have a soul guys yeah there you go like gen- that's <laughs> actually your question legion was yes but uh <laughs> nice uh no for sure like and that was like i i don't think i really thought about that just because there was so much awesome happening in that final episode um but there there is a, a question of you know like uh, these guys have their reality this this is their reality but they're alive in it uh they do have that sense of independence and and you can't like belittle them for being creations and i, I think watching uh, vision kind of come apart in episode six yeah. still trying to do the same like the i i still have that the horror of that um i felt that and it was i also felt very very sad realizing that okay he may not be real and what would that mean so i i, I just oh it was so good uh and then a similar thing happens in this episode where it was sort of agatha convinces or or shows Wanda how she's horribly controlled all the people of Westview and and they they've had no free will and and she gives them back their free will and they're they're horrified and try and show their humanity to Wanda so that Wanda can let them go and then Wanda accidentally starts strangling them all and and she is eventually realizes just how what how bad what she'd been doing was obviously not intentionally uh based on her reaction but it was sort of it's almost it was like unthinking cruelty and and, uh, a great sign that she needs more help with her powers anyway she starts bringing the walls down so that the people can leave but in doing so her vision and the boys start to disappear as well they start to to break apart and more than vision's uh, uh, agony when he leaves the the cube leaves westview in the uh in episode six it's important that it's a hex. The hex. Uh, in this, I, I don't know. It was just like heartbreaking watching Vision and the boys crumble to pieces in front of her. I, I had a real hard time watching that. And the, and it's like, what is she feeling in that moment? Like, if we're feeling bad, like, it's probably breaking her heart, like, multiple times right there. And then Agatha... and it continues to do so later, right? Like that's yeah. Like I yeah. think we can settle on like that. Those those three people are real. Those are members of her family. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Well... And Agatha makes a point of it too. She says, "Look what you've done. You you have your family tied to this, and like how are you gonna keep that up?" That was her, still... her ploy too, just to get the power she wanted from Wanda. I mean, it comes into real philosophical questions, which we'll we'll again get into shortly. But I don't know if they're real. It's it's a deep philosophical thing, right? Like how much of it is just her controlling them? I think I think Vision is an exception because of the mind gem uh, shenanigans that are going on there. But for the boys, I don't know. Are, are they just simulations? Yeah, if there were hologram simulations that came I mean, to life. Gonna... Then, so does that make them any less, uh, like any other person, just because they are a running program? I this is a, probably a philosophical quandary that goes beyond anything that we can solve tonight. But I think the big question is how independent are they? 
like how much how how much free will do they really have and how much is just wanda i think i would say like based on what we see here and on the post credit scene that we'll have to get to i think like at at least for now like we in the audience are supposed to be like supposed to have the impression that they are their own minds their own consciousness this is and i just want yeah well i want to say because wanda says to them later on thanks for choosing me to be your mom that was a very sweet moment but that like that phrase struck me too because she's created them but they're more than that right like there may be some uh creation energy that is not just from her that that makes up these boys right like i i think there's more to them which is why i would i am more than willing to argue that uh, they are independent sort of um people despite being sort of tied to or stuck to the the magic of uh her creation okay so we're we're sort of running out of time a little bit so but we we've still got a few big scenes that we need to talk about oh my god i've got so much to say (laughs) well let's let's jump to the vision on vision scene yeah fun contrast whereas you know agatha and wanda kind of have a special effects fight vision has a a showdown with you know his his alter his doppelganger that's very vision but it's perfect and it's perfect that is how he would do it. Like the vision we saw in Ultron and like we've seen sort of in Infinity War is is a reasoner. He's a, he's a talker when he can. He's not a fighter unless he absolutely has to be. Yeah, and, and it also gave me strong flashbacks to Kirk talking computers into destroying themselves. Yeah, there was that. That, that was... <laughs> But yeah, the whole ship of Theseus parable that he does, and he's like, well, you want to destroy the vision, but what is the vision? And then making it a logic puzzle was, I mean, both it was appropriate for the character, but also I just, I liked the intensity in it with how it was done. Like, it wasn't, it didn't give the the air of like, you know, two people sitting in chairs talking philosophy. They had the same energy that like, this was a fight. They were battling each other like this. You know, like they would have had the same facial expressions if they were still shooting laser beams at each other. But yeah. instead, it was this measure of it was an logic debate. Yeah. And then, I mean, well, I mean, we don't need to leave it up. Everyone's seen it at this point, I hope, because otherwise, why are you listening to this? But yeah, the vision talks white vision out of like, like now we don't know who the vision is. And our good guy vision is like, actually, I'm pretty sure you're the vision. Let me unlock your memories. Um, And we see some mind vision on white vision stuff. (laughs) And we see the, like, God, it was so cool how in the last episode, Cashmore mentioned the eyes, like how vision's eyes are sort of different. Like now we see, like, you don't even notice at first, but white vision has these very sort of like stereotypical Android eyes, like the computer effect. And then after getting his memories restored, they become perfectly human. And like right. he, all of a sudden he looks like a person. And it, so the, the takeaway seems to be that, yes, now white vision has been restored. Now he is truly the vision. And the vision we have been watching in WandaVision recognizes that he's not. That he's just, 
well, he doesn't know what he is, but he is, he is an, you know, an extension of Wanda's power at that point. And that's the last we see of him. And White Vision flies off. Well, and, and I question how restored he is, because he's still missing the Mind Stone. He's still missing some of that, that Mind Stone power. And he still seems kind of like an angry jerk when he takes off. He has his memories now, but maybe he'll be that remote good guy that he was yeah, who was yeah, white vision in the comics. He's definitely not back to his old self or he would have gone looking for Wanda, right? Yeah. And and I do think that is a cool thing. Like the the version I had in my head where they merge is very neat and tidy and also to some extent very comic booky where it's like back to the status quo, you know, uh, what we broke the toys but now we've put them back together for the next person to break them. Um but that's not what they've done. They've they've left it up in the air for someone else to to pick up that baton and decide what to do with white vision. Maybe they'll turn him back to normal. Maybe he'll go to like a a car dealership and get a new paint job and look like old vision again. Or maybe they'll keep him being this sort of weird monochromatic. I mean, my my money is on is that that's going to be a character arc that gets explored during another like crossover event. Yeah. There's no way they're leaving that. That's way too. Yeah. He'll, he's still going to have to rediscover himself or become something new. And that'll be, yeah, re- yeah, way too rich is a good way to put it. Like, there's right. too much to mine out of that. But where uh, is that going to take place is the big question. Mm-hmm. Would love to talk about it more, but we got to keep rolling. Well, I just um, want to do talk about one other thing, vision-related, that we missed in the previous episode. And I think we have to at least touch on it, which is the what is grief, if not love, persisting. I probably butchered that, but that line really struck a chord again with the internet and, and was a powerful thing that got quoted a lot and created a lot of conversation. So I feel like we have to at least talk about it briefly. Uh, I remember it being like, like being like, wow, that's a good line. And I assumed it, it felt like too good a line. I was like, that must be pulled from some philosopher or some other great work of art, but it it seems like it was developed for this and it's it's a very lovely line it is iconic of something that the marvel universe would have put out like you've got all these catchphrases you've got all these things but to have something that's genuinely like heartfelt be tied to it wandavision has changed everything about the mcu even if they go back to sort of the old actiony like i think that's what we're maybe expecting with falcon and winter soldier um, but it's it's completely rewritten how a superhero movie can be uh, movie super superhero um, story can be presented and shown and and you know the depth that you can go into with it. So it, it was a great line. It was something that I think you do expect to hear in literature. So because of that, there, there may be a lot of um, expectations, too, I think. Like, I know, certainly for me, like, to have something that poignant come out of something that most people are like, oh, it's a superhero movie. Um, I think it'll, it'll change expectations. And it's going to uh, maybe pull more people into it, into the MCU, because uh, I think we had the expectation that after Infinity War, maybe, like, we'll start to settle down. We don't have to go watch everything. I, I can no longer say that. Hmm. High yeah. Praise. yeah. Powerful moment. 
Okay, we got a lot to cover still, right? Let's let's keep moving. Yeah. So, um, so Pietro, the Quicksilver from the other universe, is not the Quicksilver from the other universe. It was a red herring. I was one hundred percent certain that's where it was going to go, and I was one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> Um, this is just, uh, I think, Graham, you used the term stunt casting. It was the, the only role of Pietro in this one was just fake brother. And it was uh, something that Agatha did. Monica frees him from witch's control and he's just a dude. It, uh, it meant nothing. Uh, and I was pretty let down by that. I thought that would be a, a, such a cool idea. And, uh, and it turned out to be not. I am not willing yet to accept that that's all it was. Like, there's always a continuing storyline with with the MCU and and seeds can be planted that can come up later and and again this is probably just wild fan internet speculation but someone pointed out that when Jimmy Woo was first going to Westview he was trying to get in touch with someone who uh, like it was in witness protection and uh, they'd lost contact with, and he was going to go investigate it. That's why he was in Westview. So the internet speculation is that. Ralph Boner is just the the witness protection name for for fake Pietro for Pietro Maximov. Yeah, but, that, but then that would imply that he's been in the universe all along, and and I just and or maybe not necessarily all along, but for longer than we know. Like maybe he's a refugee from the the Fox universe, and the FBI got hold of him and needed to keep him undercover under wraps. And so they gave him this fake identity in Westview and it's ridiculous. And that's probably not what it's going to be, but I cannot accept that it's just stunt casting. So this is the theory that I've clung to that I, I read online. Damn it, you, it Graham. Works for me. I was so willing to bury Pietro 2.0. I was like, okay, fine. They just made a joke moving on. And you're right because they totally mentioned somebody that was in witness protection and that's completely gone out of my mind too. And now that you've brought that out, I can't, wow, maybe, Oh, the potential. And pe- people point to the fact that he, he laughs at his own name, like Ralph Boner. And he's like, huh, Boner. It's like, if that had been his name since childhood, they probably wouldn't strike him as funny. Well, but he's oh. not Ralph Boner. When he laughs at the name, he's still under control and thinks he's Pietro. I mean, look, listen, I I hope you were right because it would mean that in turn I was right, uh, but it, it it's it, that that's a that's a long stretch. It is, but they play the long game. And I, we know they're playing the long game with the MCU. We, we do, but I feel like like I mean I'm, like if nothing else, giving him the name Ralph Boner, like I feel like that was done deliberately to indicate to the audience, like haha, this was a fun joke. Like we we had you. Uh, like, it's like a it's so bone cruel. the face. That's well, I mean, that's a stretch, <laughs> but because uh, we... and, and again, yeah, I would love to be uh, right about this. I would love for it to be Fox Quicksilver yeah. and it to be the herald of the Fox mutants coming over because what a cool idea! But it, I mean, they've 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 gone to a lot of effort to shut that down. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Graham and I, I think we still have. Yeah. Them. Yeah, faith of the heart. We're ready. <laughs> That's right. That's we'll 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 run with it as soon as they announce it. Otherwise, we're okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's keep rolling. Uh, Wanda defeats Agatha by using her own tricks against her. Um, when Agatha first reveals herself, uh, she captures Wanda by using runes, basic runes 
that are like you know magical that that means that only the witch can who's in the area or surrounded by the runes can use her magic okay. so they're Wanda, protective runes for the witch that has cast them so only the witch who has cast them will be able to use her magic and thus be safe from any other effects from other people there you go. So in the big climactic showdown, it's like Wanda is very convincing with her that she's just raging. She's giving up her power. She's throwing blasts of it at Agatha. She's throwing bl- blasts of it or hitting the walls of the hex everywhere. Turns out Wanda is just you know setting up a, a cover, essentially. It's a double blind. She has set up these runes uh, and she's able to steal her power back and take Agatha's power, judging by the colors. Which, ah, oh man, like the Infinity Stones had already set up powers defined by color, and now we have whole new ones. That's going <laughs> to yeah, be frustrating. I was, I was genuinely thinking that uh, before the Agatha reveal that she may have had something to do with the Power Stone, which is purple. Which, but then that opens up a whole, like other all the other, oh, yeah. like the other witches, their powers were blue. And like when we see that like like Agatha's mother even like she gets a blue crown wow. mm-hmm. the same way that the Scarlet Witch has a red crown like before Wanda makes the outfit we see that silhouetted that crown shape so we know that there's something about that it's complicated <laughs> anyway we don't have any answers for that yet but Wanda outsmarts Agatha um condemns her to be Agnes again until she's needed uh, which yeah. is, so that was that was a really fun reveal. I mean, I'm going over it quickly because we're we're because of time issues. But like that shot, like you see, Wanda is starting to look better a little. So what's going on? And then like she is panning, like well, camera's panning across her, and it reveals the rune over her shoulder. And the, like that was a that was a powerful moment. That was well directed. Props to you, <laughs> uh, Matt Shackman. Yeah, who directed every episode, which is impressive. You don't see that much. Uh, given what they were doing in this one, I, I don't think bouncing between directors would have worked. You had to be there was a lot of precision needed to make this concept fly. Yeah, so so then we see her in her new Scarlet Witch outfit, which it's is cool. amazing. It is yeah. honestly probably one of the best like costumes I've seen in terms of uh, um, comic book slash superhero. It looks functional. It looks functional, and it looks like she could actually do things in it. The functional doesn't... Uh... <laughs> I, I, listen, I, I'm thinking like a girl. It, girl clothes don't have pockets. I, I have to focus <laughs> on the fact that it looks comfortable. It looks like she can fly in it. She can move around in it and do her intricate like hand hexing spells. It's Yeah, it looks fantastic. I really wish I could wear something like that. <laughs> For me, it, the thing that matters most when it comes to a superhero costume is if it looks cool, and she looks really cool in it, so I'm I'm all for it. So she has the costume, it looks awesome, um, everything is wrapped up in a neat little bow, essentially. Uh, the citizens of Westview are released, Wanda apologizes, sort of, and flies off, you know, to not be a danger and learn more about her power. Um, Monica Rambeau is invited by a scroll to go to outer space, which is fun, um, by a friend of her mother's who is almost certainly Nick Fury. We know from the end of Spider-Man uh, versus Mysterio 1, that one, that Nick Fury is working with the scrolls up in space, so that seems to tie together. So that may be what the future for the Spectrum or Photon or whatever superhero name she takes, whatever the future of her character is going to be. 
Yeah, uh, we also, I mean, the important thing is we, we really see her. We In these episodes, we've seen her use her powers more, and, and she uses them to save the kids from Hayward uh, at one point. Yeah, and she can, and like, like she sees energy now, like whether it's electricity or whether it's superpowers, which is kind of her jam in the comics. Yeah. Is it's an energy thing. So that character is coming through. That one I successfully predicted going through the hex too many times gave her superpowers. It changed her cells because we don't want to use the word mutated yet. <laughs> well, and also you it's a different. Mutants. But it's yeah. also, uh, you know, the mutants in it wouldn't be a traditional kind of mutant anyway. No, it wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. The difference between Spider-Man, like, is he a mutant? Like, Well, most people say no, because like the changes was, it, it affected him. He wasn't born with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that happens real quick. That's cool, but it's definitely like a tease for later. Monica, I think, was kind of, frankly, I thought, kind of disappointing her role sort of fizzled out at the end of this one but i think she's meant for later i think she's going to be a big part of the next captain marvel movie at the very least and i think this was her origin they 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 showed the origin and that was one of the really cool like um scenes in the series to to watch her become uh her superhero self yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah, I, also, I just I wish there was like they didn't use her as much. Like she she just kind of was the support person for Wanda and she stayed that way even though she could have been more or could have done more, I think, but Yeah, I don't know that the story changes much if you take her out of it. Um I dis what in these last few episodes or the whole show? Uh, certainly the last few episodes. Uh, like they definitely lock her in the room with Ralph Boner for yeah. a while so that yeah. other things can happen at, uh, you know, like, like that's always been my big complaint about the hunger games. Like in the last one, they have to knock her unconscious three times so that the plot can advance. Right. That's, that means you've got a problem with your character. Uh, I also think, I, I mean, uh, we know that she's going to be in captain Marvel too, or at least that's what they've, they've announced so far. But I also think that this might because it was the scrolls who who take her and and whisk her away into space that she might end up being involved in the secret invasion tv series that they're doing right which is the based on the comic arc where it turns out shape-shifting scrolls are like acting as sleeper agents and have replaced a whole bunch of people all over the world uh, which we know has sort of happened so far like we know that a scroll has been posing as nick fury but it's sort of like with Nick Fury's consent, it seems yeah. like. So hard to say where that's going to go. That's a whole thing. And then in the post-credits, post-credits scene, uh, so we see that Wanda has found a place uh, you know, out in the wilderness to be by herself, and she's living Possibly a comfortable... Possibly Wonder Gore Mountains, maybe back in Sokovia, could be, could be either one. Sure, that's a word I recognize. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Wonder Gory Mountains are an important part in the comics of of the origin of Wanda and Quicksilver, but haven't been fact haven't factored into the movies yet. Okay, fair enough. And um, so she's at this cottage, just sort of living her best life. But at the same time that her body is living her best life, we see she's got a Doctor Strange style astral form going, where sort of her projected self is very heavily reading into the dark hold. Uh, previously revealed to be held by Agatha, and uh, she can hear her kids screaming for help. 
revealing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, obviously, the astral form look, that's a very Doctor Strange thing that's from his movie. And we know that a Doctor Strange movie is coming up soon and that her powers in the comics are very tied to Doctor Strange. And um, I think it's being confirmed that she's in that movie. Fantastic. Uh, we also have the Darkhold, um, which is sort of the Marvel, like, you know, not treading on the Lovecraft estate version of the Necronomicon. Uh, and this is basically the book of evil magic that Agatha had. Uh, the book of it was, the it was damned, big, she calls it. Book of the damned. Yeah. And it's, and that's been in the, the Marvel television shows before, right? Like Agents it played a big part. So I didn't even, I didn't even notice it the first time she says that I was just too enthralled with what was happening with Agatha and Wanda in the finale. And then I think Jesse, you pointed out, oh, she said Darkhold. And I had like, I almost fell off the couch moment. <laughs> Because so in like uh, what I know of the Darkhold is that it's a powerful book that um, lets you like helps you learn what you want to achieve most, but it also kind of like makes you addicted to it. So you you know you you keep coming back to it. Like you want to keep it and protect it and use it. They've changed it a little bit. Like certainly in Agents of Shield when they had it, it was um, a malevolent thing that yeah you could get knowledge from it. It was all like a forbidden knowledge. Um, uh, and it was object. it was tied to the Ghost Rider arc in that show, yeah, right? Yeah. So it was it was uh, outworldly object that uh, was on on Earth, um, and it was being used to do all kinds kinds of things. But um, when they had it in the show, it it just kind of I don't know. It's like a MacGuffin, I guess. Maybe it was a, a thing that like propelled things along um but in this it's clearly sort of a magic related thing as opposed to even just a generic give you knowledge book Hmm. i mean it always had sort of devil stuff like it was like evil with a capital e was attached to it right like ghost rider is literally like a demon from hell he's the spirit of vengeance there you go Okay, yeah. Um, so they've, they've, I mean, there is some some time, but it it seems to be very. I don't know. It it seemed very different to me the way they're using it here, um, only because because I got the mentions like the Scarlet Witch was in her book, and I was thinking, okay, even if it is the same version of the the book that they kind of portrayed in Agents of Shield, does that mean that Agatha has been trying to gun for Scarlet Witch the whole time? That's an interesting point. Yeah, she mentions that the Scarlet Witch like prophecies come from the Darkhold. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It has. There is an entire chapter on you. She says, and I was just wondering why is that in her book? Because if Agatha wants power and knowledge and ability, why would the Scarlet Witch be something that's part of her wants? So I, I, I thought there was much more to it than what they portrayed. I guess. I guess more room for things to grow, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, uh, at the end there, um, you know, uh, Wanda tells Agatha, I'll be seeing you. So there's definite um, possibility of her returning, whether it's in a, you know, come and help me with the magic or we need your help and we're desperate yeah, we, kind of yeah, situation. For her knowledge. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to talk about the the voice. I think it's Billy that we hear and uh, I think my first reaction and my, my first thought hearing it was like, oh, well, their their souls or something are still out there and she's going to 
team up with Doctor Strange to find try and save the boys. But as I thought about it more, I th- and the you know there'd all been all this scuttlebutt about Mephisto being the real villain in this whole thing. He's the guy behind everything. He's the master planner of the the whole series, and that didn't come to pass. But it's possible that that what she's hearing is a fake voice that he's using to lure her to, to her doom. Right. Or some other evil force from the book. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a possibility. I took it to accept that the boys are actually like living somewhere else in maybe another dimension or magical plane. Or, you know, if she's going to the multiverse of madness, maybe she's hearing them from a different dimension. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to our our, um, initial uh, argument or discussion about um, were they real? Like, are are they independent persons? And I I think that was more of a, a point for them being individuals. Unless they're a trick. Um, well, yeah, I, I don't know. The whole Mephesto thing, I like the fact that it was Wanda all along. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I was not, I you know, even that that was one thing that, that Cash had talked about, uh, about the Mephisto being behind it. But I never, you know, I was completely ready to be wrong. And, and like, I, like I was wrong about Agatha, but I just didn't see Mephisto being the, the power behind the throne. Just because it does, it seems kind of lame for a Marvel villain, right? Yeah, like just having it, it. Oh, the devil did it. Well, yeah. I mean, there there have been plenty of Marvel stories that are lame because of that. Sort yeah, of those are the bad ones. Yeah, <laughs> but it also takes away all sorts of agency from Wanda and makes her a less interesting character by by doing that. Because it's like I oh, want absolutely. her to be kind of dangerous, you know. Absolutely. If it's just like all of the bad things she did can be explained away by by the devil, it makes her a much less interesting character. And I think at the end, she got she got what she needed. She started like the Rolling in that... Stones say <laughs> she she started in that piece of empty land. Uh, broken and at the end of it i think she had found some peace in her grief it was some going way to process to be, it at yeah. least so, at yeah. the expense of an entire town group of people who hate her and she says it she's like that they, they, they'll never forgive me i i understand that and she's accepted that as well right like she's definitely come to sort of a more um manageable state of herself where she could maybe move on a little bit and and you know let go of some of the pain uh but that was a stark difference from from what they showed her from walking in and creating this world to her walking out of there as someone who has purpose and learning to do to know who she is and who because she tells agatha as well you know you don't tell me who i am and she wants to discover that so it was such a powerful poignant moment when when she and vision are putting the boys to bed knowing that this is the last time and that the the hex walls are crumbling around them it was that that whole moment in their goodbye to each other it was all very well done and very very powerful and when he finally asks her what he is and she tells him like you're the and he cries he has a you know an android tear and yeah that was that was a powerful moment Calling back to his first appearance in the comics. 
So we are we are definitely over time. Uh, any final thoughts anyone wanted to share? So now, should we start with you? Uh, oh, I have lots. Um, Darcy, I I would have wanted to see a lot more of her. Like even in the series finale, they kind of just like wrote her off once she got Hayward. So um, I guess maybe she will be popping in and out. Is my expectation. Um, I think there's so much potential for her to be sort of that comedic person. Like, I think if we put her with Louise, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, I'm so, more interested in seeing like a spinoff with her and Jimmy going around solving crimes together. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I want to see that too, just from what they've shown here. Like, Jimmy is like that all-around good guy. Like, he's the genuine, like, police guy who's a good human being trying to do the right thing i would absolutely want to watch that but just like quirkiness factor i think it'll be a nice change of pace too to some to uh something different every time they've done something sort of out of uh um sort of superhero movie uh whether it was winter soldier with a sort of spy thriller feel or ragnarok with its crazy quirky space adventure bit um it's panned out really well and i think wandavision's kind of shown like they had sort of that horror wipe that eventually did kind of um peter out uh near the end but for sure like i want to get that that sense of oh my god what's gonna happen next like i don't i don't understand what's happening but i like it so a a comedy might be in the works hopefully (laughs) uh my only thought is that uh, i i've Someone posted the original timeline, the pre-pandemic timeline for the the next phase of the MCU, and Doctor Strange 2 was supposed to be coming out this May, and I cannot tell you how depressing it was to see that and realize that the movie's now not actually coming out till 2022, and it would have been so sweet to be able to finish the series and know it was just like a few short months away before we got more Wanda and more of this story. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I definitely, I subscribe to the fan theory that, um, like, Doctor Strange in his movie, when he sees their library, it's like, it, there's more, like, there's more than just the book Kaecilius took is missing, like, there's more missing spaces. Like, I'm willing to bet the Darkhold was stolen from there at some point, and that's going to be one of many ways to draw these characters together. Yeah. You know, the... The, like he's the was it the sorcerer supreme now, which they made sure to mention in the series. Yeah. You'll notice, yeah. Um, and and if nothing else, like if he knows that the dark holds out there, he's going to come want it back, and that's going to put them at loggerheads. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking like I wanted to watch the the second Doctor Strange anyway, but now with all this, I am even more excited for it. Very much same here. Uh, like the, I've, going back to our MCU rankings, I don't think either of us rank Doctor Strange particularly high, but I feel like I've got a lot more excitement for it now than I did before for part two. And I mean, it helps that we're past the point of individual origin stories now, right? Like it's not just going to be a Doctor Strange movie. It's going to be Doctor Strange and Wanda at the very least. And if other Marvel characters aren't dropping in, I will be shocked. I'm sure Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to connect to this, to what's happening here somehow, even in a loose way. Most importantly, um, we know that uh, one of the greatest heroes of all cinema history is going to be in it. And by that, I mean Bruce Campbell. 
Well, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, lots to check out there. Um, but that uh, I think brings us uh, to a to, to a stop for now. I'm uh, just just salivating for more Marvel. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, the the making of WandaVision will now be available on Disney Plus, and next week will be the start of their next series of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we'll have more to talk about with that, I'm sure. Um, Sunel, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. That was a blast. Pleasure to have you. Uh, while we're giving out thanks, also want to thank our musician, uh, Jamie Rium, the guy behind our theme song. He's a music geek, does some cool stuff. Rium is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. Uh, be sure to check him out on Instagram and YouTube at Jamie underscore Rium and Jamie Rium official, respectively. And finally, uh, thank you. Uh, we just like we do this for you, and this episode has been a pure example of that. You wrote to us. You said we wanted to hear your thoughts on the rest of WandaVision. Here they are. So if you have other things you want us to do, other lists that you think might work, stuff like you want, if you have a cool list idea, you want to be on the show, we'd be happy to hear what you got. Uh, Graham, how can they get that kind of stuff to us? You can email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're on Twitter at geektop5. The next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe continues week after week for the foreseeable future, and man, do we need it, so no complaints there. Um, Lots of stuff to see if you haven't already, and more coming up. That will keep you busy until we get a chance to talk to you again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.